The following audio has been brought to you by Word of Grace Community Church. For more information about Word of Grace, visit wogcc.com. Well, Merry Christmas Eve morning to you all. So glad that you are here at Word of Grace. If you don't know who I am, my name is Derek Armstrong. I'm the lead pastor. If it's your first time joining us, I just want to say welcome. We're so glad that you're here at Word of Grace, whether you live in Sheboygan County or beyond, or perhaps you're here visiting family. Man, we're really glad to have you. All of our regular folks, man, we're so glad you're here, and we're just so happy to be celebrating the birth of Christ uh, over the next couple of days with you, and we're just so excited to be able to share with you the story of Christmas. And I want to share with you a story from my childhood about the best gift that I ever remember receiving that I was really pumped about. I was a kid. It was 1988, all right? So I was six years old. You do the math. And it, but it seemed like every one of my friends on my block had a Nintendo Entertainment System but me. And I was really hoping that that year was my year. I just knew Christmas was coming, and I was hoping, and I was wishing... And I thought I had been good enough, and hopefully I was going to end up with that Nintendo. My parents had actually rented a Nintendo console before. You guys remember doing stuff like this? For those of you millennials, we would actually go to a store and rent temporarily a video game and VCRs as well. If you don't know what those are, those are like DVDs, but really not as good. Be kind, rewind, right? <laughs> we rented the console from the store, and I thought I was in heaven for those two or three days that we had that console, and I was so excited. I wanted that thing so bad, and I drooled over my friend's video game consoles. I felt cheated, honestly. As a six-year-old kid, life wasn't fair at this point. The only way to rectify the injustice of the difficulties I had faced for the six years of my existence on this planet was to get a Nintendo Entertainment System. I dreamed about holding the controller in my hand and rescuing the princess as I was playing through Super Mario Brothers. <sighs> Let's bring this story back to Christmas Eve 1988. You see, I had hoped, dreamed, and wished for this so badly, and I was filled with anticipation that this was my year. So I woke up on Christmas morning, and it was 4.30 a.m., and I was thinking, this is not the best time to go wake mom and dad up, because I knew that if I woke them up, that maybe they would delay Christmas all the more, but I was up, and I was excited. I couldn't sleep, so I thought I would just mosey into the living room where the Christmas tree was and just kind of sort through the presents. And here I am, six years old, my parents aren't awake, I quietly walk into the living room, look under the tree where the packages were wrapped for my sister and I, and I weed through them, and there it was, unwrapped. wasn't even wrapped, you guys. A brand new Nintendo Entertainment Center with Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt. That means it came with the gun. Oh my gosh, I was so excited when I saw it. I felt like, oh my gosh, it was just almost hovering in midair as a glowing beacon of social redemption. And I had seen the light, and I was so excited about getting to open this video game up. But there's a problem. It's 4.30 in the morning. 
And I did this little happy dance, but I couldn't be loud because I didn't want to wake my parents up. My sister was two years old at the time, and I was just trying to contain my excitement, and then it hit me. Oh, no. I've already seen the gift. My parents are going to know I know. What's a kid to do? So I went back to bed, and my first strategy was trying to forget the present. <laughs> you didn't really see that. You didn't really get it. Just, just forget about it. You didn't really see that. It was all in your imagination. You were sleepwalking. But I couldn't shake it. I knew it was real. And I was so excited about the potential of getting to play later on that day. And so I lay in bed trying to think of what do I do? And then it hits me, plan B. I've got to practice being surprised. <laughs> I had a mirror in my bedroom and I looked in front of the mirror and I practiced my surprise face for my parents. I'm six years old at the time, remember. And I'm going, okay, it's got to look real. It's got to look real. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's too much. Tone it down a little bit. No, they won't think I appreciate it enough. <gasps> and I was practicing. I would turn around <gasps> and try to surprise myself to get a surprise face. And then finally, after practicing, I felt like I finally got my surprise face down. I finally got this thing nailed. This surprise face is perfect. It's just on point. So I laid back down and I waited and I looked at the clock. And man, did the minute seem to just take forever to tick by and then finally, it got close to six, and I thought, that's good enough. <laughs> and I knocked on my parents' door, and they drug out of bed. And here I am excited, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I've got this in the back of my head, surprise face, surprise face, surprise face. They get my little sister up, who is two years old. They get her up, and they bring her into the living room as well. And parents talk to us about Christmas. We get ready to open up presents. And then all of a sudden, I see the Nintendo and game on. Woo! Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I've never seen this before in my life. And I was so excited. I delivered an Oscar-winning performance <laughs> that was so convincing that when I was writing this sermon, you guys, I thought, I don't know if I've ever told my parents that I knew. And I don't know if they're going to watch this. They probably don't watch. Well, my mom will. My mom always watches my sermons. But <laughs> she's going to find out that I knew. Um, so I'm kind of outing myself. You know, I went on to develop callous thumbs after many blisters, playing games. And even in 2007, I developed an online business for selling those retro video games, the Ataris the Nintendos, all that stuff while I was planting a church in Texas, and it was a great time in my life. And I, I love that stuff, the Atari, Segas, Nintendos, all that stuff. Who knew that uh, that gift would turn into such a fun hobby for me? And I had a blast doing that. And I still love when I see those things, you know, uh, come across uh, eBay or in a Craigslist ad or something. I think those things are great. I, I loved that. But what's your favorite memory of maybe a Christmas gift that you received as I get older, I don't really get as excited about the gifts I'm going to receive, even though I still appreciate receiving those gifts and I look forward to those things. But the thing that really gets me amped up is when I get to see my kids' faces and who knows if they're rehearsed or not. <laughs> but the thing is, is that growing in Christ-likeness and growing in maturity as a Christian is a lot like 
this Christmas experience that we all have. When we're a child, we're all excited about what we're going to get, much the same when we first get turned on to relationship with God or we just become a Christian. It's all about us, man. Oh, man, I can't wait to get to church on Sunday. I can't wait to get to Bible study. can't wait to hear this or that message. Oh, it's all about what I'm going to get. And I get so excited about all of the things that I'm going to receive. But then when you kind of become a teenager, that Christmas thing, you're still excited about it. But like 4.30 a.m., yeah, you're not up when you're a teenager. You're kind of wanting to stay in bed. And you are excited about what you're going to get, but you're really excited about the sleep that you're currently having, so you, <laughs> you prefer that instead. But you feel weird during that phase. That's an awkward phase, isn't it? Because you kind of feel guilty. Like, I should be excited about Christmas. I remember being excited about Christmas. I remember feeling that feeling, and I don't really feel the same way I felt. Is something wrong with me? What's going on? And, and as that adolescent, you're wrestling with those emotions, and you're wrestling with those memories, and you, so you try to maybe fake it, or you try to, you know, get yourself hyped up, you know? You just go nonstop, you know, 48 hours Christmas, you know, uh, playlist and eggnog and the whole nine yards, and, you know, go to the mall and visit Santa. It's not the same as you get older. But then I've discovered a new joy in Christmas. Once I grew past that stage of awkwardness in adolescence, I don't want to wake up early for the things I'm going to receive. Heck, man, I want to wake up early for the things I get to give my kids and the things that I see how they respond and how I know that I'm making memories much like the one I shared with you that I was able to make when I was six years old. And I think that people do this with church, and they do this with following the Lord, that they, they, they get excited in the beginning, but then they get in this awkward stage where they're not getting what they feel like they used to get. They're not feeling what they used to feel. They're, they're struggling with shifting priorities, and they realize that they're growing up, and, and, and they don't know what to do. They don't know how to handle it. They don't know how to emotionally process it, and they wonder, is something wrong with them? Or maybe there's something wrong with the church. I just don't feel it anymore. It's just not there like it used to be, and maybe there's something wrong with this church or something wrong with that pastor, and, and they leave, and they search for an experience like the one they had when they first were turned on to following the Lord. And some people spend the rest of their lives in this cycle, and they never grow up. They stay in a place of adolescence, and they never shift their thinking in order to accept the fact that they're growing up. Adults still even do this today. They don't grow up, and they cling to their childhood as long as they can, and they don't accept responsibility. They run away from challenges, and, and they always want to blame someone else, just like a child, instead of taking responsibility to grow. The Apostle Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 11, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Folks, for us to grow, we're going to have to press through seasons of discontentment by shifting our focus from ourselves to other people. In other words, a person growing in maturity needs to realize something. It's not about you. It's about serving others with the love of Jesus. If you can press through the awkwardness, and man, sometimes it's awkward, of being discontent in your journey with God, by staying connected to God, by staying connected to other believers, I promise you, you will grow and you will discover a new joy like never before, a greater joy, a lasting joy. 
Some people spend all of this time with, in, when they get frustrated with God or they get frustrated with church searching for something that they had before, looking for something that feels familiar or something that brings them back to that initial phase in their life. But maybe God is saying, hey, this awkwardness, this discontent is actually a challenge for you to grow. And it's time for you to press through that because you weren't a teenager forever. Yeah, it was weird. But you know what? You discovered a greater joy as you grew up the greater joy became giving to others. Because now the focus isn't on you, the focus is on how can I share with other people. The best part of Christmas for me now is what I can give my kids. It's not what I get for myself. Although I still get things as well. Believe me, if you guys want to you know, give me anything, I'll, I'm a good receiver. But I'm going to get more excited about what I get to give my children because that's the greater joy. The greater joy is to see them get lit up and excited. You know, I love blessing my wife, my kids, my friends, and it's the same with your walk with God. That's what Paul meant when he said in Acts chapter 20 and verse 35, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Don't we know that up here in theory? But man, living that out, do we really believe that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive? Because as followers of Jesus, we can't give up on relationship with God. And we can't give up on church. We can't live our faith casually. Don't disconnect with God and Christian people and and disconnect with church uh, to only find yourself present a few times a year or when tragedy strikes in your life. Maybe this message on this Christmas Eve is your opportunity to press through and grow. Perhaps this is a day that will mark a turning point for you where you see that the greatest gift given was a baby born in a manger, where you see the character and the heart of God to give. Perhaps today you recognize that you've been making things about you instead of about other people. You see, perhaps today is the day you recognize that God is calling you to grow in your love for Him, to press through those times of discontentment, to press through those times of discouragement, to stay connected and not disconnect because God is wanting you to grow. I want to encourage you to find the greater joy this Christmas in giving, to find the greater joy in following Christ by connecting to a church or to other believers who share the same passion to give God's love and truth to other people, to make your life count for every day to matter and for you to live on purpose to impact eternity, for us to think differently towards our life's purpose. Maybe perhaps today is the day that the story of Christmas comes alive in your heart so you can receive forgiveness and life change that only God can give. I'm talking about the type of change that's real. Long ago, about 2,000 years, when King Herod ruled Judea, now a part of Israel, God sent the angel Gabriel to a young woman who lived in the northern town of Nazareth. The girl's name was Mary, and she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. The angel Gabriel said to Mary, Peace be with you. God has blessed you, and he's pleased with you. Mary was very surprised, and she wondered what the angel meant. The angel said, Hey, don't be afraid, Mary. God has been very kind to you. You will become pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and you will give birth to a baby boy, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be God's own son, and his kingdom will never end. Mary was very afraid when she heard this, if you could imagine, but she trusted God nonetheless. She said, 
let it happen as God chooses. Gabriel also told Mary that her cousin Elizabeth, who everyone thought was too old to have children, that she was also going to have a baby, and that her baby would help prepare the way for Jesus to fulfill his purpose. Mary said goodbye to her family and friends, and she went to go visit her cousin Elizabeth and Elizabeth's husband, Zechariah. Elizabeth was very happy to see Mary, and she knew Mary had been chosen by God to be the mother of his son. An angel had already told Zechariah that Elizabeth's baby would prepare people to welcome Jesus. His name was to be called John. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then returned home to Nazareth. Joseph was worried when he found out that Mary was expecting a baby before their marriage had taken place. He wondered if maybe he should put off the whole wedding altogether. Then an angel appeared to Joseph in a dream and he said, Don't be afraid to have Mary as your wife. The angel explained that Mary had been chosen by God to be the mother of his son. And he told Joseph that the baby would be named Jesus, which means Savior, because he would save the world. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel told him to do. He took Mary as his wife. Now at this time, the land where Mary and Joseph lived, it was a part of the Roman Empire. The Roman Emperor Augustus wanted to have a list of all the people in the empire to make sure that they paid their taxes. He ordered everyone to return to the town where their families originally came from and entered their names in a register or a census there. Mary and Joseph, they traveled a long way, about 70 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem. That's where Joseph's family came from so he could go and register there. Most people walked, some lucky people, they had a donkey or an animal to help carry the goods needed for the journey. But Joseph and Mary traveled very slowly because Mary's baby was due to be born any day. When they reached Bethlehem, they had problems finding somewhere to stay. So many people had gone to register to that town as well that every house was full, every bed was taken in all of the inns. The only shelter they could find was a stable or a cave for animals. In this poor place, Mary gave birth to Jesus, the Son of God. In those days, it was custom to wrap newborn babies tightly in long cloth called swaddling clothes. Jesus' bed was the manger that the animals ate their hay from. In the hills and the fields outside Bethlehem, shepherds looked after their sheep through the long night. As the new day began, suddenly an angel appeared before them, and the glory of God shone all around them. The shepherds were very, very afraid, but the angel said, Don't be afraid. I have good news for you and for everyone. Today in Bethlehem, a Savior has been born for you. You're going to find the baby lying in a manger. Then many more angels appeared, and they lit up the entire night sky. And the shepherds heard them praising God. They were singing, glory to God in the highest and peace to everyone on the earth. When the angels had gone, the shepherds said to one another, hey, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see what's happened that they were telling us about. So the shepherds went to Bethlehem. They found Mary and Joseph, just as the angels had said. The baby Jesus was lying in a manger. When they saw him, they told everyone what had happened. And everyone that heard the story was astonished. Then the shepherds returned to their sheep and they were praising God for sending his son to be their savior. When Jesus was born, a brand new bright star appeared in the sky. Some wise men from the east, they saw the star and they looked at the stars and they had read in very old writings that there would be a new star and when it would appear, it would signify that a great king was born. 
They set out to find this new king because they wanted to bring him gifts. The wise men followed the star towards the country of Judea, and when they got to the capital called Jerusalem, they began to ask people, where is this child who was born to be king of the Jews? Herod, the king of Judea, heard this. It made him very angry to think that someone might want to take his place as the king. So Herod sent for the wise men to come to him. He told them to go on following that star and find it until you uh, seek out and find this king that you're looking for. And when you have found him, why don't you come back to me and send word to me so I can know where he is and I'll go worship him too. Herod did not tell the wise men that that wasn't the truth. It was really an evil plan to hope to find the new king and to kill him. It seemed to, as the wise men followed the star to Bethlehem, it seemed to stop and shine directly down over the place where Jesus was born. The wise men entered the house where Mary and Joseph lived with Jesus, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. The wise men spread the gifts that they had brought before Jesus. The gifts were gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The wise men were warned in a dream by God not to go back to Herod, so they returned home to their countries in the east by a different way. When the wise men had gone, an angel appeared to Joseph in a dream. He said, get up. The angel said, take Jesus, take Mary, escape to Egypt, stay there until I tell you. Herod is still looking for Jesus, and he's not going to stop until he kills him. So Joseph got up, took Jesus, Mary, in the middle of the night, and they left for Egypt. And they stayed in Egypt until Herod died. When Herod had realized that he was tricked by the wise men, he was furious. He gave orders to kill all of the boys who were two years and younger in Bethlehem and all of the surrounding area. This was to try to kill the new king because his plan to find the king through the wise men had failed. But then Herod died and Joseph had another dream where an angel said to him, get up, take Mary and Joseph, go back to Israel. Those who have been trying to kill Jesus are now dead. So Joseph got up, he took Jesus and Mary and he went back to Israel. But when he had heard that Herod's son was now the king of Judea, he was really afraid to go back to Judea. So instead they went to Galilee, and they lived in the old town of Nazareth. There Jesus would grow up, and he would eventually begin to teach. He would perform miracles. He would proclaim the kingdom of God. And he would eventually die on the cross for the sins of the world. This baby being born that we celebrate today is Jesus Christ. He's not dead. Although he experienced the sting of death, he is alive. He's our king. He is our Lord. And he loves you and me. The ultimate gift that could ever be given was brought by the hands of our loving God. That's why scripture says in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. And if you would like to receive that gift from God today, it only takes faith. It takes trusting that Jesus' death on the cross was sufficient for the payment of the sins of the world. That means you and me and everyone, regardless of where you've been, what you've done. Scripture says in Romans 10 and 9 that if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, 
that you'll be saved. If you're being confronted this morning with the reality of God's gift of grace to you today, you can be saved no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone in life, regardless of the mistakes you've made. Jesus' gift of grace is sufficient to forgive you because we've all sinned. I've sinned, you've sinned. Romans 3 and 23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And our good works don't make us Christians. Our religious traditions and ceremonies don't save us. They don't forgive us. They don't make us right in the eyes of God. If they did, then we could have confidence in our own ability to save ourselves by what we could do and control. Instead, it was all about Jesus and what He did. That's what saved us. That's what will forgive us. That's what makes us right in the eyes of a holy and perfect God. The freeing truth today is that you only need to have confidence in what Jesus has done. And if you're making that commitment today, then I want to challenge you to confess with your mouth right now, Jesus, your Lord. Jesus, I believe in you. I receive your grace. I admit I'm a sinner. I'm in need of forgiveness. And you're the only one who can make me right in the eyes of God. Maybe you've made a similar commitment like that in the past. We want to help you grow. We want to help you to take that next step. We want to help you get plugged in because that's only the beginning of your new faith journey. If, if you are sincere in your commitment to Christ, saying, yes, I want to follow Jesus, and you're making that decision today, we want to help you grow. If you're sincere, you need to get plugged into a good Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church to help you grow. As you grow, remember to press in, to press through, because the joy of the Lord is worth it. Listen to me this morning, folks. The relationship with God is worth it because He cares for you. Make this Christmas Eve a memorable one by you making the best decision you could ever make in your life. The decision to follow Jesus. And maybe you came here today and you've already made that decision to follow Jesus. You've already put your faith and your hope and your trust in Him. Well, my challenge to you today this Christmas Eve is don't stop growing in the joy of giving. Giving of your time, giving of your talents, giving of your treasure. Living your life that's focused on loving God, loving people, and serving the world. A life spent helping others to hear, see, and experience the greatest story ever told. The greatest message that everyone needs to hear. Truly, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. When you walked in this building, maybe you've come here hundreds of times. Maybe this was your first time to walk into this place. You would have seen a big red wall as you walked through the door. And on the door, it said, love God, love people, and serve the world. When you grow in loving God, you're going to love what God loves. And you're going to find out God loves people. Because Scripture said God so loved the world that it caused Him to give. Give what? His only Son. That's what we're talking about this Christmas. And as you receive that love of God, guess what? The gift that you've received of the love of God, it doesn't end with you. The love is for you, yes, very much so. But there's more to it than just you. The love of God is given to you so you can then take that next step of growth and maturity and move past the awkwardness of it just being all about you 
And as you grow in loving God, you're going to grow into loving others the way God loves other people. That means you're going to learn how to forgive. That means you're going to learn how to love people in spite of their weaknesses or in spite of the offense or the hurt that they may have caused you. You're going to love people and have compassion upon them because that's what God does for all of us. And it's that love of God that moves us to do that. And then when you love people, you're going to want to do something. You're going to want to serve because that love for God and for people has just moved you to the point to where you've got to do something. And you begin to serve. And what are you giving them? What are you serving them with? You're serving them with the love of God so they can experience the love of God, so they can experience the joy of salvation. And then they can mature and grow into loving other people with that love. And so it will cause them to serve and be what the Bible calls the light of the world. The city on a hill that can't be hidden. Jesus said, don't you know you're the salt of the earth? Don't you know that you have a purpose? Don't you know that the love of God that was given for you wasn't just supposed to end with you, but it's supposed to be shared with everyone? My hope and my prayer is that as you have heard this message today, that it's challenged you to make the next move in your journey with God. Whether it's starting fresh, whether it's making a fresh commitment, whether it's repenting of sin, whether it's receiving Christ for the first time, or whether it's making a commitment to continue to grow deeper and not allow yourself to get discontented, not allow yourself to turn inward focused, but to grow in loving God, loving people, and serving the world because truly it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Amen, church. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for this opportunity for us to hear the Christmas story yet again. I pray that you would help all of us, Lord, to continue to grow in Christ-likeness. Whether it's our first day of this journey or whether it's something, God, that we've been on for a number of years, I pray that you would challenge us, that you would stir us, that you would encourage us. Whatever needs to happen, Lord, in every individual situation, in every individual's life, I pray that you would help us, God, to make that next move, to not allow the discouragement or the disappointments of other people Maybe disappointments in churches or church leaders. Maybe disappointments in family members or close friends who claim to be Christians, but maybe had their own struggles. Lord, help us to find healing and forgiveness for those people and for ourselves to help us to grow, to help us to move forward as we celebrate the birth of your son. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen.
say right now that was really really powerful and I know God is moving in this place and I know God is moving in your hearts man I was just at a loss for words just hearing that song how it just moved my heart think come and see what God has done it's the light of the world given for us oh man that didn't move your heart you better check your pulse or something Thanks for listening to this sermon from Word of Grace. For more sermons or any other information, visit wogcc.com.